Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Echo, ask Dr. Steve for a fun fact. If you're chewing, you are masticating. Ha ha, right, Chip? Pekka's. For another fact, please say, tell me another fact. To quit, say, stop. I don't think I can do better than that one. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Your show is better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, broadcasting to you from COVID Central. 
This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the Internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter. Oh, no, there's no us. Follow me on Twitter at Weird Medicine. <laughs> visit our website at Dr. St- visit my website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, I'm not your medical provider. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear with this show. Uh, talking it over your do- with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor. Good Lord. Acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. I could just go back and redo that, but I just do not have the stamina today to do it. I'll explain why in a little bit. Anyway, um, don't forget, please, stuff.drsteve.com, S-T-U-F-F dot drsteve.com. You can click straight through to go to Amazon. It helps keep us on the air. You can scroll down and see some of the products that we've talked about on this show. Everything helps, including check out that roadie guitar um, robotic tuner. If you need to get a gift for someone that plays guitar or bass, you need to check out the roadie robotic tuners. They've got one for bass and one for guitar, and it is the most incredible thing. It's my favorite thing to pull out when I'm playing music because everyone is like, what in the hell? So, um, and in a good way. So uh, check that out at stuff.drsteve.com. And then my favorite wine club is wine.drsteve.com. It's Naked Wines. Uh, it, it's, you know, small wineries, and you get some really good wine for a really inexpensive price. It's fantastic. And if you want to lose weight with me, check out Noom, N-O-O-M, .drsteve.com. And uh, it is a psychology program that helps you change your relationship with food. Get 20% off and two weeks free by going to noom.drsteve.com. You can just try it if you don't like it to hell with it. And uh, check out Dr. Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. All right. Yeah, Dr. Scott's not here because he's afraid of catching COVID. <laughs> yeah, your old buddy... Uh, <clears throat> came down with it um, on Monday. So I'm recording this on Friday. So uh, Monday at 4 p.m. And I know where I got it from. And shut up, it wasn't the Chicago trip. (laughs) It was, I I know where I got it from. It happened subsequent to that. I knew the minute it happened. I can't really talk about it because of, you know, HIPAA and stuff. Um, but, uh, it was, I was fully PPE'd up, but there is one, let me, let me just, I'll say, I can say this much. There is a weakness even with fully having personal protective equipment on. So I had an N95 mask and then over that I had my regular mask just so you don't lose the regular mask really. Uh, not much, um, there's no utility in that. And then uh, I had my gown and uh, my gloves, and I had um, a face shield. Now, the face shield comes down to just below your chin, and that's great uh, to, uh, as a barrier to keep people from, you know, coughing in your face. 
But when someone is coughing or yelling or you have to lean in, uh, you know, for because there's communication issues or whatever, if there's enough velocity to that cough or the yelling or or whatever that can work its way underneath, and you can feel it underneath the face shield, and now you can feel that wind on your face. Well, the one vulnerable place is your eyes. And I got a viral uh, conjunctivitis, and I know that's the port of entry for this. So, you know, the PPE is good, but it's not uh, it's not perfect. We're not walking around in hazmat suits. Hazmat suits are... Um, are perfect shields, but you, you don't want to be walking around in the hospital with those. Although I've during a code blue, I've seen people in hazmat suits. The problem with the hazmat suit is how do you get it off without contaminating yourself? Well, you mostly don't, so you just make sure you wash your hands and don't touch your stupid uh, eyes or face uh, before you everything is is clean again. But anyway, so, yeah, that's what happened. And I, I remember coming home that night and saying, if I don't, uh, if I didn't contract COVID-19 today, I'm never going to. I should have kept my stupid mouth shut because, um, indeed, um, five, I guess it was five days later. Would that be right? Yeah, about five days later. I felt like I at 4 p.m. on Monday, I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. Now, every fall, I have the same feeling. I feel terrible. I have got horrible seasonal allergies in the fall. I'm usually sick for, for, what, uh, for two months with just kind of low-level malaise and nasal congestion. Yeah, I should just go get allergy shots. I'm just, I started and I'm, I'm quit going because I'm lazy and stupid. So uh, that's on me. But I thought that's what I had. And uh, I'm like, yeah, it's just allergies, just allergies. But it just got worse and worse throughout the day. And I felt more and more malaise. And then I got a headache and just felt like crap. I'm like, ah, this is really bad allergies this year. So uh, as I walked out of my office to go home, I asked uh, one of the nurses on the floor to, if I could borrow her um, thermometer. I want to take my temperature because when it's when I reassure myself it's 98.6, then I know I'm fine. It's just stupid allergies. It was 102, and I said, oh, get the F out of here. That can't be right. Um, let's check that again. And it was now 102.5. So uh, I had a... Um, test at that uh, you know a quick test at home that i'd bought i took it shit it was positive <laughs> and i'm like oh my effing god so that was monday so i uh my temp hit 102.9 i was a i did have a pulse oximeter checked it it was around 95 which is low for me uh 95% uh oxygen saturation you know you, you're running 96 to to 98 99 all the time if you're reasonably healthy and uh so but it was 95 but my temp would not come down and um so i isolated myself in my um room 
and uh, I erected a physical barrier so that I had uh, a room, a bathroom, and then I had the upstairs where I where my studio is. That nobody comes up here anyway, and then the my family could have the rest of the house. And of course, now they've been exposed, so they've all been fully vaccinated. So they were allowed to continue on with their thing, but they had to get tested in three days to see if they were positive. So they isolated, or I'm sorry, quarantined. I isolated, they quarantined, and they got um, their test done, and they're all negative. So that's that's the good news. Uh, the next day. Um, I had a regular PCR test done. That's the polymerase chain reaction test because the one I did at home was just one of those nasal antigen tests, and they won't really accept that in a lot of places. And uh, But they told me I was going to have to wait three days. Well, hell, you know, I'm part of that Pfizer trial. And uh, as part of the Pfizer trial, they're very interested in people who get sick after they've had the vaccine. I had my vaccine a year ago. So because I had my vaccine a year ago, my humoral immunity, in other words, uh, the level of antibodies I had in my bloodstream was probably close to zero. But my cellular immunity is still intact. That never goes away. So um, uh, I felt pretty confident that as sick as I was, I probably wasn't going to progress to severe illness or go to the hospital or die because I had been vaccinated, but I wasn't taking any damn chances either. So uh, the uh, Pfizer people, once I reported on my diary that I was sick, they called me in and uh, I had to break isolation to go in. And um, they had a, they have a method for getting you out of your car and into the place safely and all that stuff. Don't worry about that. I wasn't exposing anybody unnecessarily. And or at all. And uh, they're fully PPE'd up. And uh, they got me in there, did a 20 minute test. And my temp at that place was 102.9. And when you're at 66 and you've got a temp of about 103, that that hurts. It hurts pretty damn bad. Uh, so they um, sat me down. They said, listen, we can do the Regen Cove right now if you want it. And it's like, hell yeah, I want to do that. So let's talk a little bit about Regen Cove. Regen Cove is a monoclonal antibody cocktail, um, meaning that in monoclonal antibodies, we've talked about this on the show. People who've listened for a long time know what a monoclonal antibody is. Uh, it's where you you take, I'm not going to go through the whole process, but you get these cells that can just, that are basically immortal, and they will continue to produce antibodies. You can make big vats of them, and you can train them to just make the antibody that you want them to make. And then, if you're smart, like, uh, you know, Regeneron is, you can patent those, and you can sell them. And uh, there's, uh, they have a cocktail of two different antibodies that are in this thing that's called Regencove. And um, although right now in our area there's a shortage of the little bags that you give IV, there's no shortage of the stuff itself. So what they did was they uh, gave it to me in, my, in four shots in my abdomen, which sounds horrible. It didn't hurt at all. I mean, there was no pain whatsoever. And they said, this is going to make you worse at first, but then it's going to make you better. 
And uh, so I got uh, home, um, and all of my PCR tests were positive. Got home, back to my isolation room, uh, sweated it out that night, felt like crap, dry cough, malaise, muscle aches and pain of a sort that I had not experienced in my life. Uh, And um, uh, just... You know, had a hard time sleeping, insomnia, night sweats, the whole thing. And then Wednesday morning, because that was on Tuesday, Wednesday morning I wake up and it's like, what the hell? I woke up at 5 in the morning, felt great, checked my temp, it was 98.6, checked my oxygen saturation, it was 98. I think I tweeted out a picture of this at some point. I tweeted out two of them, and they were like the same. It was like 98, 98, 97, 97, something like that. And um, uh, it was uh, like a miracle. I was, if it would had been any other virus I where I was not required to isolate for a full 10 days, I would have definitely gone back to work. <laughs> That's how good I felt. So I'm a huge fan of the Regeneron. Let's talk about its penetrance into the uh, medical community, however. Uh, you know, it, it, this is free, by the way. It's authorized and it's free. And it's reaching fewer than 30% of eligible patients. And that's up from like 5% a month ago. Now it is increasing. We're seeing an increasing usage, but still the percentage is is relatively low. So who should get this stuff? Not just anybody. If you're not at risk for progression to severe disease, uh, you shouldn't seek and take a place from somebody else. It's just how it is. Uh, If you're not at risk, take ibuprofen or... You know, naproxen, if there's no contraindication, Tylenol, if there's no contraindication, treat yourself symptomatically as you would with any other cold and keep an eye on your symptoms. But if you're not at risk for progression to severe disease, you're probably going to just be fine. Um, uh, There are exceptions, of course, so just don't be, you know, don't lose your vigilance. But um, this is standard of care for people at high risk. So who is at high risk? Number one, people over 65. Number two, obese people. You can define that as greater than 25 BMI, but uh, most people are using 35 BMI for this to be truly at high risk for this. Um, Uncontrolled hypertension, diabetes, immunocompromised states, people with cancer, undergoing chemotherapy, uh, autoimmune diseases. There's a whole list. So if um, you are on that list, uh, please talk to your primary care provider. If you turn out to uh, uh, contract COVID-19 and uh, see if you're a candidate for this uh, treatment, because I'm telling you, I'm just sitting here. I'm not twiddling my thumbs. I've actually been working. I haven't taken a single day of PTO because of this, because I've been uh, doing telehealth from home. It's stupid. I figured, oh, you know, if I get COVID, I could take 10 days off. And it's hell. I I worked a 10-hour day yesterday, so from home, of course. So anyway, now I want to just tell you the other side of this. Um, I have a friend, and she's said it's okay to tell this story. Uh, because she wants to get the word out, who um, had uh, COVID-19 and she has um, an, you know, a disorder that would put her at high risk 
for uh, progression, and she didn't get the Regen Cove. And by the time they thought of it and sent her in because she was just getting sicker and sicker, her oxygen saturation was 86%, and she was too sick to get it. Because if you get that sick, they feel like it's the potential it couldn't possibly make you worse. So um, she didn't get it. Uh, they sent her to the hospital. They didn't admit her, uh, but they sent her home with oxygen. She's now on oxygen, going to probably be on oxygen for some time, and it's going to be months before she's back to normal. So, um, you know, early treatment with Regencove, if, I mean, look, if you've been listening to my show for a long time, you know that since the beginning of this, I've been pushing therapeutics. Vaccine, great. Prevention, great. But the thing that will end this is a therapeutic, and this isn't it, by the way. Regencove isn't it. Uh, but the thing that will end this is a therapeutic that you can take at the early onset of illness that will keep you from progressing to uh, uh, severe illness. Because, again, the, the issue here is that, yeah, a lot of people are getting really sick and a lot of people are dying, but the percentages are still astoundingly low. But the problem is we are actually overwhelming our um, medical profession right now. And the level of burnout and the people who are getting it are now, you know, people are in our area are dropping like flies right now. And so you lose that productivity for 10 days of those people. So that's some that's more patients they can't see. And so we're having problems with staff. And, you know, there's just a lot. Uh, we're getting very close to a critical area. If we had a pill that you could take uh, at the onset of your illness that would prevent you from progressing to severe disease, all of these hospitalizations would go away. All of these deaths would go away. It would have to be a really, really good pill. It would have to work better than Tamiflu does for influenza. But uh, even that helps prevent uh, hospitalization and and, uh, death. So um, that's what we're looking for. But this is one of those things. This is a therapeutic that will keep... 70% 70% of people who take it out of the hospital, or I'm sorry, that's not that's not right. It's more than that. It reduces hospitalization by 70%, and that is a huge, huge number. And, you know, uh, most of the people who take it wouldn't have ended up in the hospital, so the absolute number of people that won't end up in the hospital after taking this is actually much higher. So... Uh, Uh, But we're still looking for that panacea, which is going to be a pill that we can take. You get COVID-19, you go to your primary care, they hand you a prescription, you go get it filled, and then you isolate yourself. Everybody does that. Nobody goes to the hospital. Nobody nobody, uh, uh, dies or ends up on the ventilator. That's the goal. Whether we'll achieve that, we'll see. But there are some... Um, uh, some candidates on the horizon. Pfizer has a pill that they've uh, that they're touting that's in phase two slash three trials right now. Molnupiravir is uh, sort of the uh, um, spiritual successor to favipiravir, which I was pushing early on with this, but just didn't turn out to to go anywhere. I, I still not sure what happened there, but. Um, <clears throat> That that was my one prediction that really just didn't 
come to fruition. But I'm, uh, I have high hopes for molnupiravir, and they just need to move this along. And I still think challenge trials are the way to go, but, you know, there's ethical issues with that. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's where you, um, you know, you give somebody COVID-19 and then you treat them with whatever you have and see if it works. You could just speed things along because then you're not sitting around waiting for people to get it. But there are enough people getting it now that, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess a challenge trial for um, a therapeutic really isn't necessary. You just have to identify those patients and treat them a little COVID brain going on there challenge trial more effective for vaccines and stuff i'm i'm being stupid but okie doke uh so that's my COVID 19 story um yeah i'm i had to give a talk a, a talk a statewide talk today and obviously i did it remotely so i'm all hepped up on prednisone and um uh tesselon and Mucinex DM to make sure that I didn't break out into coughing fits while I was giving that talk. I figured, well, this is a perfect time to go ahead and record a show for you all. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So enough of that. Uh, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. And thank you all for your well wishes. I've gotten a lot through uh, Twitter and email, and I really do appreciate it. And uh, let's see what we've got here. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. Let's... Um, Let's take a few uh, phone calls here. Let's try this one. Uh-oh. Hey, okay. Dr. Steve. It's Mike in New York. Hey, Mike. I was listening to your show. Uh, you and Dr. Scott were talking about some guy who cut his penis off while he was being chased by the police. Yes. Many years ago, I worked in a supermarket. Which, by the way, was just a nutty response to being changed, chased by the police. I'm not sure... If he thought, I'm not sure what he thought he was going to accomplish with that, but obviously he was crazy. So, and this um, EMT would come in every day. I guess I'm not supposed to use the word crazy anymore. He was, uh, he had, he had uh, an issue with mental illness. For lunch, and she would do her shopping. And one day she got a call and had to leave her groceries and took off. When she came back the next day, she was telling me there was an old guy who cut his penis off trying to commit suicide and she had said that it was very common for older gentlemen to attempt suicide in that fashion um i was just wondering is that true and uh if there was some kind of a, a psych evaluation of you know yeah there is and uh it's you know self it's um called um auto amputation penile auto amputation and um, what we see this in mostly is people with severe mental illnesses. And I'm looking at a case. Um, this is. Oh, boy. There you go. Sorry. This is from the Annals of Medicine and Surgery of December 2020. It's called Penile Strangulation and Amputation in Schizophrenic Patients. It says uh, strangulation or amputation of the penis is the preserve of psychotic patients in the majority of cases. The situation can be the cause of major complications, both urinary and sexual. <laughs> yeah, that kind of goes without saying. The management is multidisciplinary between urologist and psychiatrist. And so uh, they say um, self-harm of the penis is an unusual situation requiring urgent multidisciplinary uh, intervention, and then and again, it occurs in the majority of cases in psychotic patients. Rarely 
secondary to alcohol or drug abuse, although I've seen cases of those as well. Rarely doesn't mean never. So uh, different figures of self-transgression include castration, amputation, and strangulation by metallic or non-metallic objects. Good Lord. Uh, treatment varies depending on the time of consultation, severity of the lesion. So let me just give you this patient case. And I'm, you don't want to look this up. The picture is just... Yeah, this is one of those moments when I really miss GVAC being in the studio uh, because this is really cringeworthy. Uh, this is uh, Mr. A.M., 22-year-old uh, schiz- uh, person with schizophrenia. Two, uh, uh, let me see, two history of attempted suicide four years previously. Uh, this person was admitted to the emergency room for amputation of the penis at its root. And then they give us two... F- Photographs. Thank you very much. Unnecessary. On admission, clinical uh, clinical examination found an agitated patient in hemorrhagic shock. He received emergency resuscitation treatment and psychiatric advice. After stabilization, the patient was referred to the emergency room where he underwent reimplantation. Course was marked by a good clinical course. Four days later, when he was released. The patient committed suicide with a knife. Good Lord. Oh, this poor bastard. So they reattached his penis, and then he can, he, uh, good God. Oh, I hadn't read that whole thing. That's really kind of a downer, isn't it? Oh, no, yeah, we don't need these photographs. Here's the other case. I, I haven't read this one either. I, I kind of like to do these cold so I can get the, um, the, the, um, the, the same effect you're getting, but this is really pretty gruesome. Uh, Mr. SAH 42 followed 30, 13 years for schizophrenia taken by his family to the emergency room for acute urine retention. Clinical examination revealed a calm patient presenting an elastic object tightening the base of his penis with edema, meaning swelling downstream and significant maceration. Uh, testifying to the chronicity of the lesions. Okay, so let me. So, in other words, the tissues were waterlogged, which told them that this had been going on for quite some time. The patient underwent ring removal and emergency psychiatric re, uh, advice. Uh, Follow up was stopped by the normal resumption of diuresis. In other words, he started peeing again finally, and the presence of um, signs of cutaneous suffering, but without sign of notable. Ischemia, ischemia being, uh, you know, la- death of tissue due to blood law or, you know, loss of uh, blood flow. So it, the picture on this one, I, how can I describe it? So at the base of his penis, there is a ring and a constriction. And then it just looks like he has this sort of uh, twisty, turny, mottled-looking bratwurst uh, instead of a penis. And at first, I thought that he had covered it up with saran wrap or something, but apparently that's his tissue. I don't know. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, If you really want to see it, just uh, Google penile strangulation and amputation in schizophrenic patients, and that article will come up. Um, But that would be for educational purposes only. No prurient interest, please. So anyway, yeah, it's a thing, uh, but it is not common in the elderly unless they are uh, psychotic. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So thank you for that question. Good God. Um... All right, let's see. Let's try this one. I don't know what this one is. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is Adam from Colorado. Hey, Adam. And no, I'm not partaking. So I have a question for you. Okay. 35-year-old male. Uh, about a year ago, I had a vasectomy. Good. And after the vasectomy, you know, they tell you to clear the pipes 20 times or whatever, and I did all that. And then uh didn't have any problems uh, during it. But I don't know, maybe around like time number 15 or 16, I started to get like this incredible pain in my left nut. Uh I'm talking like I had to sit down after, you know, ejaculating and just, I mean, it hurt. And I went to the doctor, told them what was happening. They scratched their head, thought it was really weird. Prescribed me some really strong antibiotics for 10 days and everything was fine. They wanted me to send me off to get my nuts, you know, x-rayed, not x-rayed, but, you know, take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get in there. And I just didn't do it because everything 
was fine, and I haven't had any problems ejaculating since. But do I have anything to worry about? I took the, you know, antibiotics. Nuts are fine. Doesn't hurt when I ejaculate anymore. Everyone's yeah. happy. Yeah. Uh, just curious about your thoughts. Thanks, yeah. Man. No, I think you answered your own question. You know, one to two percent of people have uh, who have a vasectomy will have some post vasectomy pain syndrome, but that's usually pain in the testicles that lasts for around three months, and um, but it can cause painful ejaculations, and um, that is felt to be a benign syndrome. What they wanted to send you for was an ultrasound. I'm betting, just to look and see if your uh, uh, if the vasectomy looked okay. But uh, the fact that you are now able to uh, bust a nut uh, in a painless fashion and uh, they're satisfied and you're happy, I think uh, that's, hell, that's good enough for me. So just follow up with uh, your urologist, uh, you know, on your, for your routine visits and just keep them up to date on everything. But, yeah, it sounds like you had a weird version of uh, post-vasectomy pain syndrome. And you can, I guess you can imagine uh, as you know, as you contract that the pelvis, that rhythmic contraction that you get when you uh, ejaculate, that's so delightful normally. When you've just had surgery in that area, that it's just tugging, tugging the loose ends around, and you know they're trying to heal, and the nerves are trying to resettle and go. What the hell happened? There used to be a tube here, and we don't know what we're supposed to be uh, sensing anymore. Uh, the, it makes sense to me that there would be some pain in some folks with that. I had none with my vasectomy. Um, uh, one of the things, if you if you do have a vasectomy. Don't be fooled by the fact that you don't have any pain right after it's over. It's because of the anesthesia. And um, I wore, I thought, well, I'll just go back to work. And then I was like, holy shit, does that hurt when I got home? But it only lasted for a couple of days. And um, frozen peas wrapped in a towel really helped. And then you just sit and watch TV, watch Seinfeld, do whatever you want to do. And um, I wore one of those, um, uh, you know, baseball catchers hard cups, you know, and it was fun because, number one, nothing could touch my nuts. And they were very nicely ensconced in this hard sort of triangle of plastic. So nothing bothered them and they didn't hurt. I actually could go to work. It's a little weird walking around with that. But what was really fun was if you ran into something like one of your friends, you could just take your fist and just pound your crotch and it would sound like this. And, they, and it would just surprise them. And uh, the looks on people's faces you get when you're just taking your fist and pounding your crotch, uh, it was uh, quite hilarious. But I have a weird sense of humor, so maybe maybe not do that one. All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Hi, Dr. Steve. Yeah. All right. It's great. Hey, Hope man. you're well. Okay. I'm, hey, I'm okay. I got uh, COVID. My, my pit bull and I have been eating pulled pork uh and drinking beers all night in an effort to develop what I'm calling my proprietary COVID detection test. Okay. Uh, now, we've, we've done limited testing and studies um, here on my stepchildren, but I'm wondering if you have any suggestions on how I can bring that uh, to the medical community, <laughs> perhaps get some funding um, so we can share it 
with America at large. Well, I give you, uh, yeah, I mean, pulled pork dinner costs what uh, twenty bucks. Yeah, you make, I'll give you twenty bucks for some good pulled pork. Appreciate your thoughts there, Doctor Steve. That's it. Oh, it's good to talk okay, to you. Okay, okay, man. I pulled pork and beer sounds good to me. No clue what in the hell it has to do with COVID-19, but it can't, you know. Listen, everything in moderation, including everything in moderation, every once in a while you got to blow it out your ass. And that sounds like a damn good um, evening to me. Um, I can't, well, used to. I can't eat pork anymore. That's just getting old. can kiss my ass. There's so many things I can't eat anymore. My stupid stomach doesn't like it, but... Uh, I'll still do it uh, because it's so good. Now, when I was in college, let's just talk pulled pork for a minute. I went to college, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And at that time, I don't know if it's still there, there was a barbecue place called Allen and Sons. And we used to go there a couple of times a week. And uh, in North Carolina, it's a vinegar, spicy vinegar sauce. And um, it was outstanding. I mean, your mouth would be on fire. Your head would be buzzing because you have a couple of beers. You walk out of there, and it's hot out, you know, a nice August uh, you know, afternoon or evening, and you're with your friends, and it was one of the greatest experiences. You could, uh, you could imagine a culinary experience. Well... Uh, after I left Chapel Hill, I remember I came to Tennessee and they said, uh, I was interviewing here and they said, do you want to go to a barbecue place? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. I love barbecue. And I sat down and I was like, what in the hell is this? <laughs> this is not barbecue. They It was all, they put some kind of weird tomato sauce on it and stuff. I've come to appreciate it. But at the time, I, I the only barbecue I knew was North Carolina barbecue because I'm from North Kakalaki. I never had barbecue anywhere else. Well, then I've learned that there's, you know, Texas barbecue, and then you've got your briskets and your regular barbecue and uh, all this stuff. And I've come to appreciate different regional varieties of uh, barbecue. But I was on, uh, I read an article that ranked the top 10 best uh, uh, barbecue places in the universe, which is a pretty big deal. That's the universe is a big place. And turned out Allen & Sons was number one. So that was my problem. I was always trying to recreate. It's just like, I guess, the first time you smoke a cigarette, you spend the rest of your life trying to recreate the feeling you got the first time you smoked a cigarette. And, uh, and you can never do it. You are always doomed to fail. So just quit smoking. You'll never get back there again. And that's the way it was with me with barbecue as I was trying to recreate that other places and I couldn't do it because what I had grown up on was the best barbecue in the universe. So if Allen and Sons is still there, go check them out. They used to be on Highway 86 and out just outside of Chapel Hill. Anyway, um... So, yeah, pulled pork, uh, good in moderation, of course. All right. Um, let's see here. Hello, Dr. Steve. My name is Kevin. I'm a 44-year-old male. Hey, Kevin. Um, I've, had a diz I've been having dizzy spells since January of 2020, and it's, they last all day. And in the last month and a half, those dizzy spells have also been... I've had um, 
the feeling of being drunk, and I haven't had any alcohol for the last month. And I've also get the uh, body tingles. It's like a body stone, like edibles, and I haven't had any drugs in over a month. Okay. Uh, doctors have tested me, doing dizziness tests, MRIs. I saw a neurologist, and uh, doctors can't figure out what's going on. I've seen an ear, nose, throat specialist. They have no idea. Just wondering about your advice. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. So you have to differentiate dizziness, types of dizziness. So are you having vertigo? Vertigo is when the room spins. So you close your eyes and you, you can imagine that the room is spinning. That's one kind of dizziness. The other kind of dizziness is actually lightheadedness. So if it is you know, this room spinny kind, vertigo, there's a definitive workup for that. You've had the MRI of the brain. Um, you know, they will work you up for things like, you know, Meniere's disease, any kind of uh, positional changes that cause it uh, may indicate that you've got some stone or some sludge in the semicircular canals of your ear. And there are ways around that. But you're having more symptoms than that. So uh, you're having some tingling in your arms or your... Let me see. Let me, let me run that one back. I want to get this whole litany of symptoms, if you all don't mind. Let's do it's that. all day. And in the last month and a half, those busy spells have also been... I've had um, the feeling of being drunk, and I haven't had any alcohol for the last month. I wonder if you mean disequilibrium. So disequilibrium, or do you just feel stupid like you're drunk? That's a, that's a you know, and this is one of the problems with not having a two-way. If you have disequilibrium and the room is spinning, again, that's vertigo. That's vertigo, and the, the, that can last all day long, and there are treatments for that. There are treatments for that. Let's see, what else? And I've also get the... Uh, body tingles. It's like a body stone, like edibles. And I yeah, I have that right now. Um, so the body tingles is almost always a, um, but not always, but almost always, a symptom of hyperventilation. And hyperventilation is a symptom of anxiety. So you've got these other symptoms going on and you don't have an answer and so you have anxiety uh, and that may be caught and when you drive your carbon dioxide down because you're breathing too fast for your body's needs you get tingling in your fingers and your hands I'm getting it right now because I've had to talk f for two hours straight without stopping and I have COVID-19 so you know that's you know I, yeah I had the Regeneron I'm not a thousand percent out of uh, you know, back to normal yet. So, yeah, I'm having those tingling episodes right now. So let's let's try one thing. I don't know that I can solve the rest of the problem, uh, but I do have some ideas. Uh, and one thing I would want to do on you is a, an orthostatic blood pressure test. So if you have your own blood pressure cuff, you can do this at home or have them do it in the office. You lay down for five minutes, you check your blood pressure and your pulse. Then you stand up, immediately check after 10 minutes, st stand up and check your blood pressure and your pulse. If your blood pressure drops and your heart rate rises, 
uh, and stays that way. And you, and particularly if you can reproduce these symptoms doing that, then you have made the diagnosis of orthostatic hypotension. In other words, low blood pressure when you stand up. And when you uh, <clears throat> stand up, your body is supposed to clamp down on your on your um, blood vessels so that it forces. Uh, uh, it increases the resistance to flow in your body, which forces blood flow into the brain. And if it doesn't do that because the autonomic nervous system is moving slow for whatever reason, if you have diabetes or just you're getting older, uh, then that will um, be an issue. And then you'll feel lightheaded. And if you walk around, you could be lightheaded all day. You could even faint. So that's one thing. Um, let's. Uh, the other thing I'd like for you to try uh, is for the tingling. Let's let's isolate the tingling for a second because a lot of times you break these things down into manageable pieces. You can deal with it. So if we can prove that the tingling is caused by hyperventilation, then at least you know what that is, and that it's the anxiety from the other thing. And then they just have to work on figuring out what the other thing is. So um, I want you to learn the technique of of um, square breathing and that's we're going to do this together because it's going to help me too so in square breathing the theory is is that if you inhale 25 percent of the time and exhale 25 percent of the time that means 75 percent of the time you're not doing either one of those things uh, or you're not doing the other thing and therefore you cannot hyperventilate so a normal hyperventilation is in, out, in, out, in, out. Well, what we're going to do is in, pause, out, pause. And that will form a square. And we're going to do this in four-second increments. So we're going to take, you and I are going to do this together. And anyone else that's having anxiety out there, uh, learn this technique. It will help uh, uh, abort a panic attack. It will stop a lot of these uh, physical symptoms of anxiety. Here we go. So we're going to inhale for four beats. Hold for four beats. Exhale for four beats. Hold for four beats. Of course, Tacey calls right now. Okay, let's try that again. Inhale for four. Hold for four. Exhale for four. Hold for four. Repeat that for two minutes or until your symptoms abate. My tingling is already feels better having just done that the one time. Sorry, I didn't have a cooler sound effect. I wasn't planning on doing this today. So, uh, but the technique of square breathing will help to differentiate whether the those total body tingles that you're feeling are being caused by um, by the anxiety and concomitant uh, hyperventilation. Now, uh, for the rest of your syndrome, if you you have hypo uh, orthostatic hypotension, what I would do with you is a tilt table test where they can try to recreate some of these symptoms by putting you on this tilt table. And a cardiologist will do that. And if they 
uh, identify a reproducible problem, they can usually fix it. Um, uh, also, I'm assuming, I, and this is a big assumption, that they've given you um, either a Holter monitor or an event monitor. A Holter monitor is an EKG that you wear for 24 to 48 hours that records every single beat. And then they can analyze it and see if you've got any weird rhythm problems. An event monitor is something you could wear for a month, and it only records when you push a button when you're having a, uh, an issue. Right now, this sounds like you're having symptoms every day, all day. And if that's the case, I would do a Holter monitor. If it's still intermittent and there's a possibility we could miss it by putting a 24-hour monitor on, I would give you an event monitor. Okay? All right. I hope that helps. Let's see here. All right. Hey, Dr. Steve, Dr. Scott. Uh, okay, so I'm 58. I'm in excellent health, but I went on TRT about five, six months ago, and it's been friggin' fantastic. Good. Almost no negative side effects at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even before the TRT, I was in pretty good shape considering, you know, that deficit. Uh, when I went on it, however, I got with my trainer and kicked up my workout, so I'm pretty jacked right now, and uh, I'm loving it. Anyway, here's my concern. When I was going through all the initial testing and checkouts to get on the therapy, they asked me at least three times if I had sleep apnea at right, all. Right. I've never had it, so my answer was no. Um, fast forward about a month four to month four of the TRT, and I must say I had about two or three scary episodes of waking up gasping only when I was on my back, which is rare because I'm a side sleeper, yeah, like 99% of the time. So I start Googling, and I found a few of the top oh, medical sites. Don't do that. really a very weak evidence, uh, according to medical science, to correlate TRT with apnea. The only thing I can see is if you somehow gain a lot of fat around your neck, that could put pressure on you and cause uh, episodes. I'm not that worried about apnea overall because I do sleep on my side most of the time, mm -hmm. and I really didn't gain any fat that I can tell, only some muscle. So uh, what do you think about this? Thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so these could be two independent things. You could have sleep apnea and hypogonadism uh, or low testosterone and end up uh, requiring testosterone treatment, and the two things could not be interfering with each other, but... Uh, you know, historically, um, uh, testosterone replacement therapy has been considered, quote-unquote, dangerous for patients who already have severe obstructive sleep apnea because it could exacerbate their symptoms. Uh, it, it tends to increase the, that uh, apnea hypopnea index, in other words, the number of episodes that they have and decreased O2 saturation. And they were felt that it was reduced contraction of the airway dilator muscles uh, rather than just neck fat. I mean, if you think about it, you're getting leaner, you're not getting fatter. But, um, you, you know, why um, is there reduced contraction of the airway dilator muscles? There are some mechanisms for that. They're not 100% sure. But um, you also have increased metabolic consumption with greater oxygen demand. And therefore, it's if you're on the borderline with low oxygen, it's going to knock you over uh, into uh, further territory. And then there may be decreased central response, in other words, brain response, to lack of oxygen, which increases the number of apnea episodes that you could have. You could have central apnea. 
In other words, it's not obstructive anymore. It's now central. So these things are possible. So I, I'm not going to say yay or nay it, that what you have is caused by your testosterone or any of that stuff. But the second that you start, gosh, do I have obstructive sleep apnea? Boom, that is an indication to go get a sleep study. So just go get the sleep study and see. And uh, you feel good. You're having a good response to your testosterone. I'm not advocating you stop it at all. Um, uh, but I do think that untreated test, uh, this shit, untreated obstructive sleep apnea causes some pretty severe uh, disease. So you've got to get that checked. So call your primary care, tell them you woke up gasping when you're on your back, you're worried you've got sleep apnea, and get a sleep apnea test. And um, uh, that will, I'll tell you what, it changed my life when I had mine. Now, you may not feel adverse effects. You're not having fatigue and those kinds of things. I was actually falling asleep. Uh, when I'd pull into work, I'd fall asleep for 20 minutes before I could uh, even uh, get back into work again. And then if I'm typing or if I'm sitting, and every once in a while, like I'd play music with Dr. Scott. I mean, I know it's boring, but it's not that boring. I actually fell asleep once and I was, we were recording and I fell asleep and uh, my bass playing, I mean, it was, it became very robotic, which was weird. My sleep persona is not very good bass player, but I, you know, it wasn't, he couldn't tell the difference. So it was funny. But anyway, um, yeah, that's how bad it was for me. But I know it's not like that for you, but I would still get it tested because uh, it may be very mild. And then then what they do, if it's mild and positional, you uh, take a uh, you start wearing a T-shirt to bed. And in that T-shirt, you sew a pocket and in that in the middle of your back and in the middle of that uh, pocket, you put a tennis ball and that will keep you off your back at night. There are other ways to keep yourself off your back, but that's a real cheap and easy one to do. And uh, that may be all you need, but I would not counsel you to do anything other than get a sleep apnea test right now. All right, let's see. How much time have we got left? We got got time. Let's do, um, yeah, let's do this one. Hey, Dr. Steve. My name is Rich from Philly, um, and I had a question for you about something I saw on TV Penn and Teller's bullshit show from the early 2000s. Greatest Most show ever. the show I can get in line with, but this one in particular was about secondhand smoking. And they defended that it was not dangerous and that studies they were using to push legislation against smoking were um, misrepresented. I was wondering where we were with that today and if you have any studies that you go to um, for secondhand smoking and um, yeah, it makes you kind of wonder your sources and how. No, often I know, you I know, I know. I, I get it. Up on things, I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. I was like, this one will be easy, uh, and then I went and did a literature search, and what you find is there are a lot of papers written by the Surgeon General and stuff like that that reference other studies, but most of what's out there about secondhand smoke that the CDC is referencing are white papers that they themselves did. Now, do I think they're biased in this regard? I don't think so. But, you know, it would be nice to have some hard evidence. I I found some systematic reviews. These are where they um, 
mush a bunch of studies together. And even these are kind of, you know, I would just like some hard statistics. Um, this is called The Burden of Disease Attributable to Secondhand Smoke Exposure, a Systematic Review. Sounds pretty good. It's from a journal called Preventive Medicine in 2019. It's not a rag. And it said our aim was to provide a systematic review of studies on the burden of disease due to secondhand smoke exposure, reviewing methods, exposure assessment, diseases causally, causally linked to uh, secondhand smoke, health outcomes, and estimates available to date. So then they go on to say that, you know, they did this big literature review. They looked at 588 studies and 94 were eligible, 72 were included in the review. And most of them were based on comparative risk assessment approach, you know, where you basically what that is, is, you know, you just the are is this population exposed? Is this one not? Is there a difference? And they assessed uh, smoking uh, secondhand smoke exposure using mainly surveys on exposure at home and workplaces. Can, can you see why it's hard to just say? Because what we want to know is, does secondhand smoke cause cancer? Does it cause heart disease? Does it cause stroke? That's what we want to know. And this is the kind of stuff that we have to deal with. There's, yeah, 588 studies. Even these guys can't make it all make, uh, you know, cogent sense. Uh, so the diseases more frequently studied were lung cancer, ischemic heart disease, stroke, chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, breast cancer, stuff like that. And then they looked at uh, some stuff in kids, too, lower respiratory tract infection, uh, uh, ear infections, asthma, sudden infant death, and that kind of stuff. So they said the uh, secondhand exposure assessment and the reported population attributable fraction. So what that, that's what they're looking at is what is the uh, fraction of people that you can attribute in a population to secondhand smoke? And it says... They were largely heterogeneous. In other words, the data was all over the place. As an example, the the uh, population attributable fraction for lung cancer varied from 0.6 to 20.5 percent. So, how, how can you make any sense out of this? The, none of it looks like um, there were no beneficial effects. I mean, that would be a negative uh, effect, right? Uh, so you'd have a negative number. So they were all positive effects. So there is no safe amount of uh, secondhand smoke. We just don't know how much it it affects people. So you can pull up a study that says, well, this one says this. Well, I can pull up another one that says this. I'm not saying secondhand smoke is good. Matter of fact, quit smoking. Don't inhale secondhand smoke. Okay, But what we can't do is point to a definitive study or a definitive systematic review that says this is how much your risk is increased by being exposed to secondhand smoke for these diseases. Now, there are some things about, um, uh, you know, children in houses where there's smoking and those kinds of things. Obviously, um, kids are going to be more sensitive to this. So... Uh, at the very least, if you're going to do it to yourself, which I recommend you do not. If, listen, I smoke three packs a day. I I attribute the fact that I've done so well with COVID um, to two things. The fact that I am, well, three things. I met my ideal body weight thanks to Noom. 
which you can, again, look at at noom.drsteve.com, uh, and that I quit smoking 25 years ago and Regeneron or Regencove. So uh, anyway, so yeah, it is it is an interesting question. I will continue to research it, see if I can find anything that's even any more definitive. You can go to the CDC and read their excerpts from the literature, and they tend to be a lot more uh, uh, dogmatic about it than I am on this. But even at 0.6%, let's just say that the population attributable fraction of just lung cancer, forget all the other diseases, from secondhand smoke is only 0.6%. So it's just over a half of 1%. Uh, You multiply that times the number of smokers or people who are smoking. um, I'm sorry, the number of people that are inhaling secondhand smoke in this country. And that is not a trivial number of people who uh, are uh, can attribute their lung cancer to secondhand smoke. So uh, it's the magic of large numbers, folks. And uh, uh, there you go. So uh, I want to thank everyone uh, who is uh, listening to this show right now. Thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton. By the way, uh, I blame Carl from WATP for my COVID. He doesn't have it. I think he gave it to me anyway. He's some kind of magic uh, wizard wizard type person. Super genius, and uh, I think he has magical powers, and he gave me COVID. Um, he, I, I'm sure he just thought it would be funny. Uh, and Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte whore, the Saratoga Skank, Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, She Who Owns Pigs and Snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Steve Tucci, times three. By the way, Steve Tucci, <clears throat> the Tucci band had quite the tragedy. They lost one of their members to COVID. Uh, the guy was uh, apparently a really sweet guy, great guitarist, great vocalist, and a great friend to my niece and Steve. Uh, sadly unvaccinated, got uh, COVID-19 and expired. So, um, you know, in you know, if for nothing else, just get your vaccine. If we'll talk about that next time, it just you guys know I'm not a vaccine mandate type person, but what we're treating right now, uh, the sickest people that we're treating right now. Uh, almost 100% of those are unvaccinated. So um, just take that for what it is and uh, get your vaccine, please. I don't need to lose any more uh, friends of friends, and I definitely don't want to lose any listeners. So uh, check out the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Carl's Deviated Septum, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's daughter, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, who supported this show, has never gone unappreciated. And people will go, oh, well, you had the vaccine and you got it. Yeah, and I did fine. That's why. So um, you're right. I got the vaccine. I got COVID. And I'm here to talk about it 
uh, just a few days later, and I'm, you know, 100% okay. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.